This is the Commission Church Online. Welcome to our podcast. We want to be a church who brings heaven on earth through the word of God and the love of Christ. I pray this week's message blesses you. I want to make a statement today, and this statement is true. And it's not just a psychological statement. It is a very biblical statement. You and I, we choose our thoughts, all right? We choose to react to a statement that our boss makes to us that we like or we don't like. We choose to react in a certain way. We choose to react to a friend that talks to us in a certain way. We, We choose to react in a good way or a bad way to a good day or a bad day. It doesn't matter, but it could be a guy that cuts you off in traffic right? It could be a person that gets on your last nerve. It could be your children that uh, are, are driving you crazy, driving you nuts. It could be your parents that are driving you crazy or driving you nuts. I'm getting some snaps from Priya. <laughs> but you choose your thoughts. You choose, <laughs> you choose what those thoughts are going to be. Whether it be a boss, whether it be a parent, Whether it be a good day or a bad day, does not matter. You choose. Someone say, you choose. Because that's what Deuteronomy tells us. Deuteronomy tells us very clearly that there is blessing and there's curse. Someone say, blessing, curse. On two hands, it says there's blessing, there's curse. There's life and there is death. And it says, choose life. It says, I give you two options, but this is what I advise you very strongly to choose. Exactly the same thing that God told Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. This is the tree of life, good of, the, good, the tree of good, the tree of evil. Choose one of these. You, you have the choice. But he says, eat of this. This is my suggestion. This is my very value. We have choices. Someone say choices. We make choices every single day. The Bible is very clear about that. And that it says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Thinketh. Someone say thinketh. It's so important. Even though the Bible says thinketh in his heart, the thought starts in the head. And unless the thought originates there and you control that thought, you allow that thought to go into your heart or you allow that thought not to go into your heart. There's that gateway of sorts. And that gateway is called choice. Someone say choice. So if you don't like the outcomes of your heart, you got to ask yourself what you're thinking about. If you don't like the decisions that you make day after day, if you don't, allow, if you don't like the circumstances that you land in, if you don't allow, like the places that you're in and the places that you arrive at, it's so important to pause and ask, what are, am I allowing my thoughts to do and how am I allowing my thoughts to dictate what happens in my life? Someone say thoughts. Remember that your mind is a control tower. Just like a control tower in an airport that directs air traffic and allows planes to land and does not allow planes to land. It was funny the other day, I was watching this video of this air traffic controller trying to communicate with a foreign pilot. And the pilot was just not understanding what the air traffic controller was saying. And the air traffic controller was not understanding what the foreign pilot was saying. And what ensued was a hilarious exchange where everybody was just totally confused and everybody lost their cool. One person thought that they were being offended. The other person thought that they were being, you know, the offense was not theirs, but it was the other. And and there was this huge commotion that happened. What happens? Planes were halted. Planes couldn't move. You know, planes were like in, 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 in stationary position. People were complaining. Why? Because the control tower 
was not able to communicate effectively in an effective way. Everything is a result of how we think, of how we communicate. Many of us are where we are because of how we think, because of how we allow our minds to wander. It could be what we watch. It could be what we hear. It could be what we read. It could be what we program our minds to understand and read. But the Bible is very clear about our thoughts. Actually, there's so many verses in the Bible that talks about the thoughts of man. Because even God knows that it is important that the mind of the man be controlled and harnessed and reined in. Because unless you control your thoughts and unless you control your mind and control your emotions, your heart will wander away. The Bible is very clear about that. And so many of us wander because we cannot keep our focus on what God is calling us to do. And the Bible says, man, you got to set your mind on things above. Remember, your mind will set itself on something. It's either good or bad. You choose what it sets its mind, you set your mind on. That's the choice that you make. In verse number one, the Bible says, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. He's connecting your salvation or your experience with Christ or you being born again and coming into the grace of Jesus with your thoughts. He's saying, man, if you're a born again Christian, you're not off the world. He's looking at you and me and saying, man, you're of a different caliber altogether. You and I are called differently. We are selected differently. We are called with purpose. We are called with a plan. We are called with with, with great and mighty things upon us. And we are not meant to be like the other ones. He said, if you have been raised with Christ, if you have gone through resurrection power, if you have experienced salvation in your hearts, he says, seek the things that are above. Someone say, seek. You will seek things that you love. Nobody ever seeks after things that they don't love. Your affinity is always connected to your loyalty. Your affinity is connected with things that you seek out. If you like something, you'll seek it out. If you love barbecue, you will go to any extent and any extremes to go and find barbecue. Am I talking to somebody here? We have some barbecue lovers here. You'll go to any extremes because that's how much you love something. Like seeking out is always connected to that. The wise men sought after Jesus and they were willing to travel those many months to go and see Jesus because they were seekers. There's this connection between seeking and an experience that brings you to that point of seeking. And God is looking at so many of us and saying, man, you being born again, experiencing the salvation that we have, right? He says, you have to do everything in your power to seek things that are above. So life is going to give you, you know, multiple options in front of you to seek this and seek that and seek this. But in all of that, you can seek ones that are, things that are below, but God is looking at you and saying, seek things that are above. Say, seek things. And this is a challenge to godly thinking. Because 2 Corinthians chapter number 4 and verse 3 and 4 says that Satan binds the mind of the unbeliever. He says, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. That's what he says. Hey, the truth of the gospel and the power of the gospel that I just told you about is only hidden 
from those that are perishing. In the case, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel. Blinded the minds of the unbelievers. The Bible is talking about the mind and the power of the mind. And how the, the mind is the gateway to what God can or cannot do in your life. Because the choice is yours and mine to make. They're blinded from the truth is what the Bible says. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 3 it says, But I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray by the sincere and pure, from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. He says, just like she was led astray. How many of us allow our mind and our thoughts to be led astray? How many of us put ourselves in a category of that 70% that allow our 70%, about 50,000 to 70,000 thoughts in our mind to be negative? That's pretty staggering. And let me tell you why, because we have that choice to set our, things on, set our mind on things above or set our minds on things that bring us down. Come on, am I talking to somebody here? But consciously, the reason there are 70% of people that fall in the category or, 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 or that, 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 that many amount of people that, that have those negative emotions that cross their mind. Why? Because 70% of that 50 to 70,000 thoughts are negative is because we choose to set our mind on things that are not above. Because we allow it to be led astray. He works in our mind. The enemy knows that if he can get our mind, he can get everything else, y'all. That Sunday school song, be careful little eyes what you see. Be careful little feet where you go. I don't know all the words, but that, I think that's where it goes. Be, little, be careful little toes where you, I don't know what it is, but in actuality, all, those things would not be a problem Right? If, if we understand that he actually works in our mind, be careful little mind, what you allow yourself to end, like what you allow to enter into your mind. Like you are the gate, you're the gatekeeper, you are the security guard. And if you don't allow certain things to enter your mind, you don't even have to worry about your feet going where it's not supposed to go. It's, it's a no, not a problem at all. But the problem is we don't conquer the battle of the mind and hence we have to clean up in every other part and facet of life. But this is where you and I need to tap into the Holy Spirit and that's the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. You know why God sent the Holy Spirit? God sent his Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'm leaving, but I'm sending my Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do? He's our helper. He's our counselor. What does the Holy Spirit do? He comes and reminds you of scripture and he says, hey, is this what you're thinking aligning with my will? Is what you're thinking aligning with the will of God. He brings everything into perspective. He reminds you scriptures. He reminds you that you don't need to go through life not victorious. You can go through life and see the victory of God if and only you allow your mind to be tamed by the Holy Spirit. Trust me, I'm not looking at you and saying, you got to do it, you got to do it, you got The Holy Spirit is your helper. He's your, what does a counselor do? Your counselor sits, if anybody's been to counseling, you understand that. Your counselor's not there to give you advice. He's there to just open your mind up or she's there to just open your mind up to allow you to think clearly. I'm a counselor. I did my master's of science in clinical psychology and majored in counseling. I worked as a counselor for many years and my professor would tell us over and over again, you are not there to tell people what to do or solve their problems. You are there to open their minds to clearly think because whatever they're going through is clouding their ability to think. 
Am I talking to somebody? It's not because you can't make the decision. It's not because you can't make the choice, but something in your mind is not allowing you to. So we just clear the air. We try to help you clear the air. And that's what the Holy Spirit is, is looking at you and saying, you know, the moment you said, Jesus, come into my heart, I came and I'm in your mind. I'm in your, I'm, I'm in your head. I'm here to, that you can tap into and I'm here to clear the air and I'm here to clarify some things. I'm not here to help you out or, or give you all the answers, but I'm here to clear the thinking. And, and sometimes we just need to tap and say, Holy Spirit, I can't do this. I'm getting some thoughts right now. I'm getting some, some issues in my mind. There's some war going on in my mind right now that I cannot contain. How many of you have been there before? I've been there where I'm like, Lord, this is a hundred million things that are going through my mind right now and I just need you to help me. Oh, let me tell you something. Anytime I need help, when I say, Holy Spirit, help me, I pause and I, I stop and I, and I pray for some time, get in the presence of God, my, my mind becomes so clear. I don't know if you've been there before. There's power in that. Don't walk through your thoughts by yourself. Don't battle your thoughts by yourself. That's not your job. Give it in the hands of the Lord and say, Holy Spirit, would you help me through this? Because here's, there's this, there's this, there's this piece that I read somewhere. When you sow a thought, you reap an action. When you sow an action, you reap a habit. When you sow a habit, you reap a character. And when you sow a character, you reap a destiny. You've got to understand how your thought is always connected to your destiny. It goes through a process of zigzag, zigzag, but it always comes to your destiny. That's why I told you initially that anything you think, everything that comes into your head has a direct correlation between what God wants to do in your, what you allow in your head, what you allow in your brain, what you allow in your mind. Because sometimes we don't think too much into it. How are we going to like stop and think about every 50,000 thoughts that come to our head? Like that's, to keep up with that is another job. Like, we need another 24 hours to keep up with the thoughts that come into our heads 24 hours. But that's the thing. Unseen thoughts produce visible consequences. The thoughts that are unseen are the ones that, that, that actually bring out those visible consequences. And we don't realize the consequences of our thoughts or what we decide to do with our thoughts unless and until those thoughts bear fruit. And you're like, wow, this bore fruit. Something actually happened. Something negative happened. And that's when everything starts flourishing and blossoming. How do you control your thoughts? A few of these things can happen. You know, one of these four things, you can either accept it and express it, all right? Or you can wrestle with those thoughts that come into your mind. The, fourth, the third thing is you can deny those thoughts. You can be in complete denial and say, you know what? No, these thoughts are not, not there. I don't want to think about it. I want to keep it out of my mind. There's so many people that do that. The way you wage war against your thoughts is being in complete denial. Or you can control those thoughts. We're going, to be, we're going to be talking about this morning, what we're going to be talking about this morning is controlling our thoughts. Someone say controlling our thoughts. How do we overcome and control our thoughts? Ask yourself questions. Like if you know that you're, you're facing a possible threat to what you're going through in your life or, or a thought that's coming into your life that could possibly be, you know, you know, influential in some way to bring you down or to make you make the wrong decision. Ask questions. Where is this thought going to lead me? Is it going to lead me through the straight and narrow? Am I talking to somebody like, ask those thoughts, ask those questions. Are these thoughts aligned with the word of God? Like, am I thinking this and will God approve of this? Does the Bible approve of this? Will these thoughts build me or are these thoughts going to tear me down? Could I share these thoughts with somebody else? Not that I'm saying, man, you should share your thoughts with everybody. We don't want to hear all your thoughts. Some of y'all are open books. 
Whatever's in my mind, you're going to hear it. Okay, we know people like that. But that's not what we're talking about. If there's a thought that comes in your mind and you're in conflict with that thought, are you able to share that with your spouse? Are you able to share that with a, a good friend without saying, oh my gosh, that, 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 that might be a questionable thought right there. Do I feel guilty thinking about these thoughts? Like, where did these thoughts originate? Do these thoughts fit in the mind of the follower of Jesus Christ? I'm going to say that again. Do these thoughts fit in the mind of the follower of Jesus Christ? Why do I say that? Because some things don't fit after you become a follower of Jesus Christ. I'll say that again. Some of y'all didn't get that. Some things shouldn't fit and don't fit after you become a follower of Jesus Christ. Some clothes should not fit you after you say, Jesus, come into my heart. Hello? Some words should not come out of your mouth and don't fit you. Come on, am I talking to... You find that funny? That's my two-year-old. Some places don't fit you, y'all. That was the old you. I don't want to see you in those places anymore. You said, Jesus, come into my heart. Oh, I'm stepping on some toes. The amens went down. <laughs> this place is awfully quiet today. I'm preaching today. Come on. Preach, pastor. Some, some actions don't fit you. It shouldn't fit you. Some attitudes, some habits, they're not supposed to fit you, y'all. Because the Bible says, man, come out from among them, separate yourself from them. You're not off the world, even though you're in the, come on, somebody. This is what God is trying to teach us and speak over us. Like, ask yourself, do these thoughts fit the mind of a Christ follower? If it doesn't, it's time to deal with it. And for some of us, it's lust. Can I talk for a second? For some of us, it's differentiating between love and lust. Saying, Lord, I need you to help me with these thoughts. I need to help, help differentiating between love and lust. Do we know how many precious children are born in the United States without a father today? Because sex is so important that no one cares to think about the consequences of sex. And I'm speaking to married men. I'm speaking to married women. I'm speaking to single, single people here, young adults over here. Doesn't matter what category you fall in, okay? This is for us. It's so important to weigh the difference. Love and lust are always going to be at odds. Love and lust are always going to be at odds. Love is from God. Lust is from the world. Lust is desire out of control. Love is desires from God. See, love can wait, but lust must have it now. If you're in a situation and you're like, is this lustful or not? If you feel like you need that desire met right now, that's probably lust. Be careful about choosing your friends because so many people will take you down this path of making you choose between love and lust. Because you, you're going to hear those voices. If you don't love, well, if you love me, you would do this and this and this and this. That's not, conditional love is not real love, y'all. No, actually, if I loved you, I wouldn't dare do it. That's boundaries. That's love. 
If I love you, I wouldn't dare touch you in that way. If I love you, I wouldn't even think that. If I love you, I will respect those boundaries that you have drawn. If I love you, I will know that you're a woman and I'm a man and there are certain parameters of, of, of a relationship and marriage and boundaries that I need to maintain before I say yes to you or I do to you. See, lust is selfish. Love is selfless. Lust is all about me. Love is about the other person. Love is giving. Lust is taking. Love is purity. Lust is sin. Love builds. Lust destroys. Love is peaceful. Lust creates anxiety. And if you're ever in, in, in a confusion as to what you're going through in your life, you do this measure. Like if, if I went through this list and I hope you were taking down notes. Because I pray that you would never be at odds where you would be like, Lord, is this from you? No, like, like you would know. How do we control our thoughts? Man, Paul says in Colossians 3, and we're going to go verse by verse. He says, seek the things that are above. See, keep seeking those things that are above doesn't mean, you know, not seeking anything else or not having anything else of the world. That's not what it means. Then how do we seek things above? It's simple. Make a big part of what you're thinking Okay, make sure that a big part of what you're thinking is what God thinks. Not just about what God thinks about you, what God thinks about everything else. Because if Jesus is always thinking about things about us and always thinking concerning us, what's best for me, what's best for you, man, we got to think about those things that are higher, things that are noble. Keep seeking those things. We start thinking powerful things. These, these messages are important, y'all. Like, I can preach a message that will light a fire in your bones, help you go through this week, and give you a word of encouragement. Those messages are important. I share those messages, but these messages are important too, which talk to our soul, which talk to our mind, because these are self-help messages that God says you need and we need, because the Bible talks about the mind, and if the Bible talks about the mind, we got to talk about the mind. It's a set your mind on things above. You have the ability to set your mind on something. We talked about this earlier. Either things above or either things below. Like, do you ever find yourself thinking thoughts that you know aren't true, but, you, but you, everything inside of you tells, tells you that it's actually true? Like, circumstances tells you it's true? For example, you might be like a chronic warrior. You're probably like one of those parents that never allow your kids out of your sight, and you're like, I always want to have my, my, you know, my, my, my kids around me. I just want to make sure that they're okay. Worry if something's going to happen to them. They're going to fall down. They're going to get hurt. You don't want to deal with the boo-boos. Always giving them like a ton of rules. And, you know, rule number one, rule number two. It's like you're always worrying about them. No running in the house. No running in church. No running in the hallways. No food unless I'm there to watch you. Make sure you come and tell me before you eat anything. Maybe you have terrible self-esteem, y'all. You know that the Bible, Bible says that God loves you. I know that the Bible says God loves me, but you don't see how he could. You're like me. You're like, I'm fat, I'm ugly, I'm, I'm too old, or I'm too stupid, I've messed up too many times. You feel like you're a failure and you don't love you and, and, and people don't love you and, and you don't believe anyone else can love you either. Like there's all these thoughts in your head. Like, what lies have you believed over the years? Like, I, I can list out the lies. Can I give you the lies that I've believed over the years? Can I give you a short list of them? This is just a short synopsis. You ready? I'm just going to bear it all. Here's the short version, right? That I'm not good enough. I'll never be good enough. 
You want to believe? You want, you want to hear the lies? That no one wants me. That if I was skinny enough, I'd be worthwhile. Never got there. Never will, I think. <laughs> that I can't ask for help. I shouldn't need help. That's what I would think. Like, I should, I should be able to do everything. And all at once, too. That if I ask for anything, I'll be a burden. And, and, and they don't want me anymore. They don't want to see me anymore. That, that, that other, when other people compliment me, they're just saying it because they're supposed to. And they really don't mean it. That I'm a terrible husband or a father or a son or a friend. And the list goes on and on and on and on. And I don't know what your list, but I bet you there are people sitting over here and you're going through things in your, your brain and you're going through things in your mind and you're allowing it to seep into your heart and it's turning you to be somebody that you really don't want to be. And that's why Paul reminds us in verse 3, man, remember that you died to your old life. Remember that part of you is dead for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. He says it's dead, it's gone. Like how, why are we resurrecting things that God buried? Some of us are going after the, the, in cemeteries of our life and digging up stuff that God got rid of a long time ago. Bringing up skeletons that we don't even need to deal with. Put to death, that's what verse 5 says, put to death therefore what is earthly in you. This is the word that God wants to share to somebody today, to put to death. Someone say put to death. I know it's a gory image, man. But put it to death. It, it just doesn't have to be sexual immorality. It doesn't have to be lustful thoughts. That's not what I'm just getting at. It could be thoughts about money. It could be thoughts about a promotion. It could be thoughts about, man, I need wealth. I need generational wealth. I need to make something up for myself. I need to do something in life. I need to make it. I got to do things to, to, to keep up, you know, and, and all of these thoughts. And you're faced with these options. Do I give in to these thoughts? Do I allow my mind to give in to it? Do I wrestle with it? Or do I put it to death? And God is looking at you and me and saying, put it to death, y'all. Because you know what Satan loves? Satan loves the people that says, you know what, let me think about it. Let me pray about it. You know, when, when, when you, you allow that opportunity where you're like, let me think about it. When you're faced with a situation where you're like, man, I got to put this to death. Come on, somebody. A hornet's flying at you. For, you're you're in, the, in, your, in your patio and you know, there's this bug flying around, all around you. And you, my, my, my two daughters hate bugs. And they're like, da-da, bug, bug, bug. It doesn't matter what bug it is. It could be a beetle that won't harm them. Or it could be an ant. It doesn't matter. Bugs are like real, real bad. Hornets, even worse. The, mo the moment they see hornets flying, man, I, I, I go into dad mode. And I'm swatting that thing down. I'm like, let me introduce you to your maker. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on, somebody. <laughs> but when you're faced with that threatening situation, you're not going to be like, let me think about this. This life is of value. Should I or should I not kill it? No, no, at that point in time, it's protect mode. It's more of, I got I to gotta put it to death because this thing might harm me. And I need some of us to get into attack mode when it comes to things about your brain, things about your thoughts, things about your mind. When you don't position yourself to attack the things that come against your mind and put it to death, it has the ability to penetrate right into you, get into your heart. And Satan loves to let me think about it. It means that you're allowing yourself to be vulnerable on a battlefield. Don't put yourself in that situation. 
Martin Luther says it beautifully. He says, you cannot keep birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. Like everybody knows when you go to Kroger not to park under the trees. Right? Like you know that. You don't need to think about it. You don't need to pray about it. That might be the only spot available and and it's a Saturday and there are no other spots. You do not park under the tree because you will get an anointment. You know. And that's what I want to encourage somebody. Just because a thought pops into your head, it doesn't mean that you have to believe it, church. It's one of the things that I want to encourage somebody with today. You're going to have thoughts. You're going to have things that will come. So, so, you know, and my question is, what are these thoughts that fill your mind on a daily basis? Like, are we aware of them? Do we like pause and say, you know what? I, I got to judge this thought. Or are we so used to them that, we, that, that, that they can fill your mind even without you consciously being aware of it? Like, what are those thoughts that come into your mind and you're like, eh, you know what? It, it comes out every day and I just got to deal with it right now. I got to allow it to just do what it does and just leave. Like, for example, how often do you tell yourself that you're not good enough? How often can, can, you, can you say that you never do anything right? How often do you tell yourself that, man, if you have this or this or this, you'd be happy? Or you'd have peace in your heart? Or that you would be like, if you would be that, like that person, or if you had that person's life, or that person's spouse, or that person's children, you'd be perfectly okay? How often do you worry Something bad's gonna happen to your family. Something bad's gonna happen to our lives. Like worry is like big thing among people. Like I, I honestly feel like some of us need to stop watching the news. Like honestly, because it drives you crazy. It drives us crazy. Like what we expose ourselves to, man. We're always fearful. Something bad's gonna happen to our family. Something's going to happen to my job, Pastor, or something. I, I'm going to lose my job. What if I lose my job? What if I lose my, my, my I, you know, I'm, I'm just sticking with what I have because if I don't, I'll, be end, I'll end up on the streets. I had this conversation with somebody just the other day. I'll end up on the streets. I'll be homeless, Pastor. I'm like, bro, I'll never let that happen. You're my brother. I'll never allow you to be on the streets. He has a good job too, but fear. Fear cripples somebody. That you have to accomplish something in life by a particular time. The, the thoughts that the enemy can put in your head are vicious, y'all. I want to remind somebody this. Be your gatekeeper of your mind. Do not allow it to cross the portals of your mind into your heart. Because if you do, the cleanup is messy and it's harder than you saying no to your thoughts and filtering those thoughts that come to your head. I pray that God will give us the ability to tap into the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, would you help me through this process to filter everything that is not from you? Because you know 2 Corinthians 10, it says this, for we are in a war. Someone say war. That's why this is, you know, mind, you know, these, these mind wars that we go through. For though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strong. Now listen to this, verse 5. We destroy arguments. You, you see the correlation between all these words that are being used? We destroy, we put to death. Like that's the mentality. That, the reason I call this message mind war is because we're in a war. Like it's not simply that we put to death something. That we destroy something. And the Bible is very clear. We destroy arguments. Someone say destroy. And every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Can I break this down for us? 
It says, destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against. So two things. One is the knowledge of God. Someone say knowledge of God. The knowledge of God is everything that God knows about you. Ready? Okay. That's one thing. Everything that God has said about you. Someone say me. That's the knowledge of God. Everything that you know about you that God knows about you. Everything that you know about yourself that the word tells you that you are. That's the knowledge of God. And then there is arguments and lofty opinions of the enemy that he has about you. About what you did in the past. And how that is going to follow you for the rest of your life. Or about something that you're going through in life right now. And his opinion about that. And how that opinion, aren't we like that with people? It doesn't matter who we are. Somebody's opinion matters a lot about us. Like we really want those likes on our Instagram pictures. And we really want those comments. And we want those heart emojis. And we really want somebody to say we look good. Because we like that. We want that. We crave that. And sometimes we allow the enemy a foothold into our thoughts and into our minds. And the Bible is saying we have to destroy those arguments. And every time, however good, however nice, however mighty it looks, don't be Eve. Someone say, don't be Eve. I'm talking to men too, not women, just not not the women. Don't be Eve. Because Eve has the best. She has everything. And yet she allows opinion to overtake life and bounty and wealth. Come on. All the enemy has to do is look and say, but you could be this. Lofty opinion. Because this is what I think. And then you begin to realize, oh man, maybe I need more money. Maybe I need that raise. Maybe I need another job. Maybe I need more friends. Maybe I need a better lifestyle. Maybe I need a better car. And you don't have the means for it, but you want to do it because lofty opinions matter most. And God looks at you and me and says, you and I need to have the ability as believers and Christians to say, this is war. It can come in any fashion. It can come from family. It can come from friends. It can come from your best friend. It can come from your wife. It can come from your husband. You got to have the audacity to say, sorry, honey, but I cancel and destroy every lofty opinion of the enemy in the name of Jesus. Jesus did not hesitate to look at his best friend, Peter, and say, get thee behind. I don't care who you are. I don't care what place you have in my life, but... The devil could use you. Someone say, the devil could use somebody that's close to me. Come on. Anybody. Anybody. But canceling, destroying arguments and every lofty opinion raised against. That's the important thing. Because I always got to compare it to what God thinks about me. And if what God thinks about me is higher than what people's opinions are about me, I will always go with what God thinks about me. And this is what it says. And take every thought captive to obey Christ. Oh, that's good. You only take something captive and and, 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 and that's the thing about captivity. It gives me that image of putting handcuffs on somebody, putting chains on somebody and dragging them is what captivity is. It's taking somebody out of their natural habitat. When you take a lion or a tiger out of its natural habitat, and when you, when, you, when you take it into captivity, it means you're isolating them. You're, you're, you're not giving them their natural habit. You're, you're putting them into confined places. This is good. 
You can't control every thought that comes, but you can confine your thoughts. That's what the Holy Spirit is reminding us today. That you have the ability as Christians and believers to say, hey, this is where you belong. This is your place. Come on, somebody. Am I talking to somebody here today? Mm. Because there's a context to this. You have to ask yourself this. What does God think about me? What does God think about me? What does God have to say about me? That's important. In Jeremiah 29 and verse 11, this is what God has to say about you. Are you ready for this? I'm about to close. Worship team, y'all get ready to come up. This is what the Bible says. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Okay? This is the knowledge of God. Okay? I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and hope. You, you want to know the context of this? I'll give you the context. Y'all ready? Look at somebody and say, listen up. This is important. Have you ever been in an argument with someone trying to tell you what you're thinking? Come on, you know. All of y'all are super quiet. Y'all don't even want to look at your spouse right now. Don't tell me what I'm thinking. Like, that's my thoughts. You know, the people of Israel are looking at God and telling God what he's thinking. That's the context of this verse. So many of us just use this verse, but we don't understand the context. Here's the context. They're telling God what he's thinking. You don't love us, God. You're forsaking us, God. You don't remember us, God. You think we're nothing, God. Complains and complains and complains. And God's like, what are you going to tell me how I'm thinking? And then he says, for I know the thoughts I think towards you. He says, I know my thoughts. I don't need you to tell me what I'm thinking. He says, I have thoughts of peace and not of evil. He's like, you think that I've forsaken you, but no, I've not. You know what Psalms 139 says? The day you were created, man, he had so many thoughts about you that that it could not even be numbered. That's what Psalms 139 says. That's his thoughts. He had so many good thoughts about you that they couldn't be numbered. Y'all, it's time to confess with your mouth. It's a battle of the mind. The lies that the enemy keeps feeding to us over and over again. But it's a choice that you and I make. Can you stand up to your feet? It's a choice that you and I make. For some of y'all, the choice is not believing the lie. You know what the lie is? The lie is no one will ever love me. That's the lie. You want to hear the truth? That's the lofty opinion. No one will ever love me. And then the knowledge of God shines through and says, can anything ever separate me from the love that I have in Christ Jesus? What do I want to believe? Do I want to believe that mess or do I want to believe this message? You know what the the lie is? Man, resisting this sin is really hard. I don't think I can conquer that. But you know what God's opinion and God's message is? It's it's this, that I can do all things through Him who gives me strength. You have a lie and then you have a choice to believe in that or not. You know what the lie is? I've messed up so bad. I'm a failure. I don't think I can do this. And then the truth is that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him. In In all things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. That's God's truth. It means that you choose to say, God, I trust you. 
even when I'm tempted to worry and thinking of something pleasant, you know, and, and you know, thinking of unpleasant things and, you know, tempted to give in and give up and walk away, choosing to say, God, I trust you. Choosing to say, God, thank you for providing for us. Even before the blessings arrive, even before that job, you get that job, even before those finances come through, even before that loan is approved, saying, God, I choose to trust. Someone say, I choose. Choosing to say, I'm a child of God, I'm loved. I am enough. I do not agree with the lies that the enemy has for me. It's not gonna be easy at first. But some of us need to understand that this war that we're going through in our lives, the war of passion, the war of lust, the war of self-doubt and pain and depression, and the, the wars, I don't know what war it is that you're going through in your life, but, but I wanna remind somebody it didn't start in your heart, it started in your mind. <laughs> I don't know, man, what, what lies you're believing. I've heard so many of them. I've heard so many of them. My friends can make time for everybody else. They can't make time for me. I've blown a friendship and my friend will never want to hang out with me ever again. I've cheated on my spouse. I don't think there's ever coming back from that ever again. I'm too weird. I'm too messed up to expect my friends to stick around. I probably am not normal like others are. Maybe if I tried hard enough, people would like me more. Man, my friends used to comment on my messages. They don't do it anymore. I wonder what's wrong. Maybe they're just busy. Maybe they just deleted Facebook. But your mind is telling you otherwise. But let me remind you, sometimes we fear because we lack confidence in Jesus. Your mind is not at rest because you lack confidence in Jesus. We fear that it's not going to be okay. You remember the disciples in the boat? They're all going for a boat ride. Storm hits out of the blue, out of nowhere. Without warning, and Jesus is sleeping. Disciples are like, Jesus, wake up. What's wrong with you? Wake up. Have you ever been in a storm that Jesus has slept right through? I don't know about you, but I've, I've been through a storm where I've sat, I'm like, Lord, where are you? Like, I thought you said you'll be with me ever till the very end. What, where are you? And he's like, wake up, Jesus. And Jesus looks up at them and says, you of little faith. He calms the storm. He calms the winds. He didn't ask them what they were afraid of. That's not what he says. He says, why are you afraid? The question was simple, why are you afraid in my presence? And that's all God is asking you today, is why are you afraid when God is, is promising you that his hands are on your mind, his heart, his hands are on your life? Fear is assuming the worst, man. Faith is believing for the best. Where are you positioning yourself? But some of us, man, we, we allow the enemy just to come in. Some, it's like horror movies. I don't know. How many of y'all like horror? I hate horror movies, y'all. Like, I can't believe that people actually pay money to have the seed of demonic planted in their minds. Sorry, but that's the truth. 
you're opening yourself up to a demonic realm. I know many people may not agree with me, but fear is a spirit. There is no sugarcoating that because the Bible says perfect love casts out fear. There is no presence of the spirit of fear where Jesus is present. Because Jesus said, peace I leave with you. He said, my peace I give you. Jesus is reminding, that, reminding us that peace is not the absence of something. It's the presence of someone. And he says, I am that, I am that someone. Thank you for listening. We love bringing you the word on so many different platforms. We are so thankful for what God is doing in and through us. We'd love for you to subscribe so you don't miss out. And don't forget to share this message if it has blessed you.